Would you open God's precious holy word now to 1 Peter chapter 2. We've come to verse 13. Last time we were in verses 11 and 12. Peter was teaching those displaced Christians over in the region of Turkey how we are sojourners in this world. We are aliens. This is not really our home. That was verses 11 and 12. We saw that last time. Now we're going to be in verses 13 through 17. And while we are not of this world, we are in this world. And we're to be responsible as, as biblically possible as citizens within this world while we sojourn here below. So then, let's look at it beginning in verse 13. There are seven characteristics, elements, attributes of Christian citizenship. These These seven things need to identify us in this life and in this world. Now remember, Peter is writing to a group of Christians who have run from Rome because of the persecution of Nero, who is after the Christians and Christianity. There are always in this world constant efforts to stamp out The people of God, the word of God, the worship of God, the knowledge of the true and living God, that there is only one God, that there is a God, and he reveals himself. The world is always seeking to put that away, to destroy it. It was so in the Old Testament with regard to the nation of Israel, and of course, in the days of the church, it has certainly been and continues to be. The way of the world against the church today. The constant conspiracy and plotting against the church, the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that we are continually reminding ourselves that the farther we go in technology and and human knowledge, the farther we go in such as that, the more dangerous the deception. To where really, and I hope this is a lifestyle, a worldview of every Christian who is here, to where really the only thing you can believe is what's in the word of God. I came across this app. I had it free for three days, and I I pictured myself like I was Mr. America. Man, it had muscles and all this stuff. I posted one last night where I was Nat King Cole's voice singing to Pat. Unforgettable, that's what you are. It's fun. I, I posted one where I 
this thing generated me in a tuxedo. I was about 60 pounds lighter than what I really am. And I had people from my past thinking that was really me. <laughs> Former churches, people I went to school with. Hi, looking good, dog. You all right, man? That's it. Shoot. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you don't read it, you could get deceived in this world. You got to stay with the word. I mean, stay with the word in some translation or whatever is close to the real thing as you can get. And stand against the rest of the world because the rest of the world is trying to deceive humanity. Now, we are told here, remember, Nero is trying to kill these people. He's after them. And he's bringing hatred from the Roman citizens against the Christians. And here's this group of exiles. They're sojourners in the world over there. They're persecuted. They're suffering. They're afraid. What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to take to the, to the streets and riot? Or what? Here it goes. This is pretty tough, especially for these Christians. First characteristic, be in subjection. This makes sense when we go through all of these verses, 13 through 17. And it can only make sense spiritually to a born-again believer who else in this world could be the object of hatred and every piece of the world organized against who you are in Christ and what you believe? Who else in the world can yet still stand in this world and do the things that we're commanded to do here from the Apostle Peter, from the Holy Spirit via the Apostle Peter. Be in subjection. Be submissive. Our lifestyle is to be one of humility. And our lifestyle is to be one of understanding authority. If we don't understand authority, then, then cosmos becomes chaos. Organization becomes disorganization and lawlessness will reign supreme. This is not what God has called us to do. Now, God has a reason behind everything. God is absolutely sovereign and supreme over all things. And if something is happening that is adversarial, I have to understand that God is not being fooled and that God understands and knows what is going on and that somewhere in the complexity of current events and problems that pile on us in life, somewhere in the middle of all of that and at the bottom of it is the will of God because somehow we're being made better. And 
Our will is to do the will of God, and the will of God is for us to stand as those who would proclaim Christ. You remember what he called them in, at the first of this study? He told them that they were the seed scatterers. That God placed them where they were. And as such, they are the ones who are to scatter the seed. The seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if we find ourselves even in adversarial conditions, we're to pray to understand how this is an opportunity for us to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our business as the church, as a believer, our business and our job is to reveal Christ to this world, to teach people about Jesus, to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. God takes care of the rest of it. We just teach it and preach it, proclaim it, share it, and live it. We're supposed to live like a believer. There is supposed to be a very obvious distinction, a difference between a believer in this world, a true believer, and the rest of the world. And God guarantees that at least in some way, the rest of the world, at least in some way and in some parts, will be attracted to that, to who we are in Christ. Characteristic number one, we understand authority and we understand that we, our our job is to be submissive to authority. Number two, to be submissive, to be in subjection to every human institution. Ktise, Greek word up there, translated institution, is never used in the Bible except to describe an entity that is God-produced. So this is a divinely produced entity. Here's Paul says in Romans 13 that God ordains authorities. He ordains these institutions. They wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the fact that God had created the structure and that God had placed it in the human race. Now, we're going to find out why here in just a second. Be in subjection, number two, to every human institution. Now, the, the word that he used, the word that he uses here in the Greek text when he wrote the letter tells the one who reads it that it's an institution because God made it so. God put it there. It is divinely produced. Number three, which follows quickly after number two, be in subjection, number two, to every human institution. Number three, why? For the sake of the Lord. Whether, and then there are a couple of things here. Whether to the emperor, now that the Greek word is basile, it could be king, emperor, in this case, it's the emperor whose name was Nero who was trying to kill these people. 
But he had, he had more jobs than just to try to kill Christians. He was there, his position being ordained by God. And the Bible tells us that God is the one who sets up kings and kingdoms. Whom he would, he sets up. Whom he would, he puts down. And it is for the sovereign purpose of God because somewhere in the sum of all of it, God is working his will through time until the consummation. And at the end of it all, God will receive glory and honor and power. So here, be in subjection to every human institution for the sake of the Lord, not for our sakes. This is going to make us an example in this world. It's going to make us a witness in this world. Whether to the emperor who is supreme, now that to them, that's Nero. We just ran for our lives from this guy. He is an authority. His institution exists because it has been divinely produced. And for you to be in subjection to every human institution is for the sake of the Lord. It is a testimony. I never know how God uses what I'm doing in my life as a testimony. I don't ever know that. We should be very wary of that so that we won't ever produce a negative testimony. It is for the sake of the Lord that you are where you are and that circumstances are the way they are. Because God is always up to something, even in your life and mine. For the sake of the Lord, whether it's an emperor who is supreme or to a governor who is set up by the emperor. He has been sent by him, the emperor. So if it's a local authority, be in submission and a subjection to who he is. It's a testimony for you. Number four, for vengeance to evildoers and praise to well-doers. Let me read that all together. Be in subjection to every human institution for the sake of the Lord, whether to the emperor being supreme or to governors as being sent by him for vengeance to evildoers and praise to well-doers. The emperor and all of those under him exist. Human government exists for two things. Number one, to punish the evil. And number two, to reward the good. That's all. There is no other reason. Run, I'm going to run for president. This is my platform. I'm going to do two things. I'm going to punish the evil. And I'm going to reward the righteous. That is the only purpose for human government. There is no other purpose. Now, the nation that will fall is that nation who gets this flipped upside down. To punish the well-doers and to reward the evildoers. When that happens, that nation is in trouble. By the very mandate of God. Because that's not their God-given purpose. The God-given purpose of a human government is to take care of the people. 
And when crimes are committed and people are mistreated, the evildoers must be punished. And this is the job of the government, to punish evildoers. But when people are right and they do good, the job of the government is to reward them. This is what the government is all about. And this is what Peter is saying to the Christians there in that far-flung place that we know of today as Turkey. They exist. They are put there and God is not blind. He knows who's there. And their purpose is to make sure that society is orderly and that lawlessness does not rule. If lawlessness begins to rule, God will oversee even order the demise, decline, and destruction of that nation. Because they're blatantly working against what God has created these human institutions for. Now we can look back through history. And history tells us that when despots come to power and lawlessness begins to reign and, and the legal system is no longer in balance and that, that blindfold is no longer on that lady's face and the powers that be rule it such that it's always what they want and most of what they want is evil, then in the, in the course of time, it may take some years, whatever, it'll be destroyed. That nation will be destroyed. Oftentimes in human history by war, God raises up another power that overwhelms that nation and destroys it. That's what happens. Because... God has established and ordained these human institutions for the purpose of punishing evildoers and rewarding well-doers. That's the purpose of human government. If God ever finds you in a position of authority and you are governing over people, regardless of whether a local, state, or even national level, you should always be mindful as a believer in Christ that that authority is given to you for this twofold purpose, to punish evildoers and to reward those who are well-doers. That's it. I was, an early, I was in my early teens when LBJ was president. Now, he was the president who over, would oversee this, uh, quote, great society. It was the, it was the establishment of, uh, of all of these government programs. It was, it was the biggest incursion into private life since Social Security. And so here comes Medicare and here comes Medicaid and all this other stuff that happens. And a lot of people didn't like it. Who wants to pay more taxes? Who wants further intrusion into their lives from the government? LBJ had a brother. Old country bumpkin who was older and all he did at that point in time was just rock on his porch. He was in Texas. And of course, he wasn't nearly as refined, quote, as LBJ. 
who was not refined. But a reporter called him. Well, I saw the report on national news a long time ago. I'm about 13 years, I don't know, 12 years old. And it was after all of this expanded government stuff had passed through Congress. And the president signed it into law. And they asked his brother, they said, well, what do you think of your brother's initiative here and all this stuff that's happening, the big changes that are taking place in our society? He stopped rocking. And he said, I want the government to do two things. Deliver my mail and defend my shores. Anything beyond that, I don't like it. <laughs> so I guess you know who he voted for. I don't know. He had it a little bit wrong. This is what we expect out of government and nothing else, according to the way that God ordained it. Punish evildoers. Reward well-doers. That's it. You structure your government according to that. And then you administer. That's, that's your administration. You administer seeking out and punishing lawlessness and rewarding righteousness. That's what you do. That's the job. So this is what Peter says, inspired of the Holy Spirit. This is why God puts leaders in positions of leadership in these God-produced institutions for this purpose so that even then, even though where you are in Turkey, yet still, to a great degree, you are being protected by an orderly society. This is the will of God. This is for the sake of the Lord. Number five, because this is the will of God. What is the will of God? You're doing good to silence men of foolish ignorance. The Greek word there, gnosian, means a willful, hostile rejection of truth. So then that's an ignorant person. Uh, and the word ignorance comes from that Greek word, agnosian, ignorance. An ignorant person who willfully, with hostility, rejects the truth. Okay, so the falsehood was that the Christians were the enemies of Rome. That was the falsehood. There were Christians now scattered about in these particular areas. We saw that earlier. And then having been scattered about there and put there, they were the seed sowers, the seed scatterers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God knew what he was doing. He put them where he wanted, to, wanted them to be and he knew what they were capable of doing. And he also knew that there were at least some there who would be receptive to what they were going to do. Now in that case... It was the will of God that they maintain this rule up here because their doing good would silence the men of foolish ignorance. They would, see, the Christians were accused of trying to burn Rome. 
The Christians were accused of trying to destroy the structure of Rome, to try to turn the world upside down. All kinds of false information had been spread out from Rome into the world regarding Christians and Christianity. It's a very simple thing. You live as a model citizen more so than anyone who is around you. And in that life, you're doing good will muzzle those who are otherwise bringing false accusations against you. To be a model citizen where you are. To be careful. To obey the law. This is the will of God. Others will be attracted. This is how God at this place in this time was going to attract those whom he would call to Christ. The great proclamation was coming from their humble, orderly, obedient lives as citizens in the places where God had put them. That's a pretty easy job description. Don't be a disruptor in an otherwise orderly society. If, if we're going to be arrested and incarcerated, let's be arrested and incarcerated for proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and teaching the Bible, the word of God. That's a worthy incarceration. But not be arrested for defying the law. And doing that which would give a false and negative testimony to Christianity and to our Lord Jesus Christ. This is for the sake of the Lord. This is the will of God. You're doing good to silence the men who are willfully with hostility rejecting the truth. They won't have anything to stand on because there won't be any charges that can be brought against these Christians other than they would state that they're believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, who is declared to be the Son of God, who takes away the sin of the world, who stands as the Savior of men, who shed his blood so that those who would come to him will not suffer guilt and will not suffer punishment, and at the final judgment, separation from God forever, but would enjoy a beautiful and wonderful home in heaven to live with God forever in an eternity of bliss, blissful existence, and to serve him in exciting and new ways all the time. There wasn't anything disruptive about that. And there was, there was nothing that said that they should... Just, now, let me hasten to say this. In another part of the Bible, we learn that there is a civil disobedience when, when the laws that be or when the powers that be try to command us to do exactly that which the Bible forbids us to do. 
or forbids us from doing what the Bible has called us to do. Now that's, that's, a, that's, another, that's another scripture. That's another place. That's in another place of the Bible. In this case, in an otherwise orderly society, when false accusations have been brought against the brotherhood, against the Christians, it's a very simple thing. Be in subjection to every human institution for the sake of the Lord, whether the emperor who is supreme or to governors who have been sent by him for vengeance to evildoers and praise to well-doers. So when, when Christians pray, they thank God that there is a magistrate who protects people from evil. To thank God for that. Because this is the will of God. You're doing good to silence the men of foolish ignorance. Finishing up, number six. Because you are free in Christ, but you do not have freedom as a cover-up for evil. Your freedom comes because you understand that you're a slave of God. This is the will of God. And for the sake of the Lord, we do this and we do it freely in our freedom. And there's nothing that we do in this freedom that would be a cover-up for evil. Finally, how shall we order our behavior in the four dimensions of life? Number one, honor Everyone, You see that word honor? Temesite. Place a high price on everybody. Understand. Everyone has a value. So accept that the fact that they exist as a human being means that they have value. So place a high price on everyone, honor everyone. Number two, love the brotherhood. Now it's not that, it's not the Philadelphia love here, it's, it's the agapate, it's the agape love. It is the it is the self-emptying, serving, self-sacrificial love. Love the brotherhood. So everyone, that's number one. The brotherhood, that's number two. Number three, fear God. Fabeste. Fear. Reverential. Reverential awe. that strikes us down to the point that we understand that the great God is worthy of fear and awe. Number one, honor everyone. Number two, love the brotherhood. Number three, fear God. And this last one was a hard one for them to swallow, I'm sure. Honor the emperor. There's that word again. Only it's in a different Timate, it's a little bit different form, but it means to put a high value on the emperor. 
to be in subjection to authority and even understand the high value of the emperor. That was tough. That was tough. I'm sure it's not difficult for those who are here or anywhere to honor the president. To place a high value. You see, he doesn't say Nero. He says the emperor. The position. It's a position of authority. And the one who is, who is in that authority, whether he realizes or not, is placed there being responsible to God to punish evil and reward good. That's his job. Now, the higher up the ladder the authority is, I suppose, the more counselors that he would have and the more advisors and the more people who are scattered about in their positions of authority who are just under him, governors and mayors and magistrates and so forth, who are there to make sure that evil does not overcome good. That's what they're there for. That's what they're there. So you, the, the position of emperor, the position of king, the position of supreme leader within any particular nation is to understand, even from Christian biblical worldview, that such, such a position has, has high value. It's very important. That's why we're supposed to pray for those people. Pray for them. You know what? If Nebuchadnezzar could be saved, anybody could be saved. Nebuchadnezzar stood on his rooftop and he said, all this is mine. This great Babylon, I've built it. It's mine. I did it. Daniel said, you're going to be a cow and eat grass and go out there naked in the herds of cattle. And eat grass for seven years. The great world conquering Nebuchadnezzar, whose kingdom was the head of gold in that statue. Right after the proclamation from the prophet was stricken, and he was out there in the pasture naked eating grass with cows. Seven years. It's believed that actually Daniel was in charge of the kingdom for those seven years. The seven years were up. And he was delivered. And he proclaimed his belief in the true and living God, there's only one God. Daniel and your God is that God. And he has this great testimony there in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar. You cannot know the mind or the soul of a man. And even a president or an emperor or a king is just a man. And God is in absolute control. Of every human being. He's, he's not out of control in any way. 
So then, if Nebuchadnezzar could be saved, anybody could be saved. And the emperors and the kings and the governors and the senators and the congressmen and the judges and everybody ought to be on your prayer list every day. To pray heaven down into the lives of those people. And to pray out the evil that surrounds them and sometimes even possesses them. I have learned in my life that the lust for power is stronger than the lust for wealth or riches. If you have power, you can create for yourself wealth and riches. It is a strong demon. And the only salt in this world, the only light in this world, the only restraining in this world is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. Who else are going to, would be going to pray for these people to be delivered from the worldliness and sin and the satanic attacks that exist in levels and in ways that we cannot understand? Who else but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Place a high value on the emperor. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he came into this world to save sinners. According to the Bible, if you will admit that you're a sinner, believe in Jesus and call on him to save you. God is bound by his word to save you. Because he said he would. If someone is here without Christ, we are praying that you won't leave that way. And here's how we handle that. As you exit this room after the benediction, we have deacons and their wives standing in the doorways just across the hall. You'll see them as you leave. They are prepared to pray with you about salvation. Maybe God leads you as a believer to come into the fellowship and into the membership of Shiloh. They're prepared to help you with that as well. However, God may speak to your heart as you exit. As you exit, you go into them. And they'll pray with you. Prayerfully, would you stand all over this building and we'll be dismissed.